Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to another episode of AMTV Radio. This is the podcast where I'm joined by a very special guest each time and we talk about, well, whatever we like really. And this time my special guest is the wonderful Ace Creeper. Thank you very much for coming on, man. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. <laughs> Hello to everyone out there listening. And um, first of all, I've been asking a lot of my guests this because as I'm sure you're aware, in the year 2020, the world's sort of gone to pot a little bit. Um... Uh, if you don't mind me asking, has that affected you in like a huge way or do you think you've got off quite, you know, relaxed compared to some others or how has it been for you? It's a weird one. I mean, it's definitely affected things. Um, as COVID broke out, I was in my first year of uni. So oh, that entire last semester was sort of cut off. So that's a bit weird. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I go to uni in London um, and I'm originally from Newcastle. So Again, it would just cut off basically from everyone almost straight away. Yeah. Um, so that was very sudden and out of place and a bit um, strange, especially when trying to find housing for second year. But everything's sorted no, now. Of course. Everything's starting to get back to normal a little bit in terms of uni life. I know so yeah. there's still problems going around. And you still need to be careful and all that sort of thing. But generally, um, it's yeah, it's definitely been some it's had some strange effects, but. You know, getting back on track a little bit now, and yeah, it's 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 getting somewhat better. <laughs> yeah, slight improvements, but I guess the key yeah. thing at the end of the day is, you know, you've been safe, you've been healthy. At the end of the day, that's all any of us can ask for. But oh man, especially your first year of uni, that's that's hard, that is man. Rough. That's it is rough. Yeah, like oh, you've got the you've got the real world waiting for you next. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's a, <laughs> no, honestly, like I'm sure you already are, but just if I could, having done it myself, like just enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? Like take every opportunity go to all those parties even if you've got like a 9am lecture just just do it I you think, know I think the side I look on is that like yeah it's a bit naff but I'd rather have been like in that year than the year starting now because oh man their yeah. entire like freshers and everything that's what, like where we made like most of our friends and stuff and you meet people and you start yeah that, that experience is not gonna be the same for people starting this year and I feel really bad for them um, oh of course was there any was there any crazy freshers initiations <laughs> not particularly because um, our campus is because i'm studying a media course our campus is a lot of like arts and very stuff mm. so a lot of people are quite reserved and awkward really i mean well <laughs> until you get a drink in them but oh of course you know, not many to... not many like wild things but mm. just sort of um you know your standards going to the pub having a drink no, trying to reference fair. tv shows and seeing who picks up and you oh, know, of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. Do you like Doctor Who? Being the, like the obvious question. So uh, like just the, a bit, yeah. Just a, just, bit, just a little yeah. bit, yeah. No, I'm at my uni, I shaved my head. Um, that was fun, yeah. Just, just, just what? Well, um, consensually? It was, uh, it's, I went to a drama school in Liverpool called Lipper, and at the time, it was sort of like the stock initiation that all the first-year boys do in the acting course, shave their head. And they all, you know, they... they they put a reason behind it, like, oh, it's about stripping back and, like, not being afraid. Do you know, it but was... I bet it ended up looking like a prison, though, if everyone's just, oh, like, Oh, mate, shaved. I'll never forget after we all... <laughs> it was never forced. I'll make that very clear to anyone thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> he got forced to shave his head. I was not yeah. forced. I did it of my own free will. But I always remember the moment when, um, after we'd done it, so it was about 14 of us in my year, and we were all leaving a class going into town, all since we'd done acting, like, you know, we're in, like, jogging bottoms, like, loose T-shirts, all with skinheads. And the looks we got off people, like, you could tell people, like, I don't want to go anywhere near them. But that's uni for you. But, um, 
Yeah, so for anyone who might not like know who you are, be aware of your channel, do you just want to give a little summary of like what the kind of work you do on YouTube and what you're about? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've been on YouTube for a while, um, but I've only sort of grown uh, recently with the Doctor Who community. Um, I mainly focus now on doing sort of Doctor Who news updates, hmm. general sort of reviews, because it's, you know, it's a 57-year-old show now and <laughs> yeah. there's a lot to talk about, you know, so you can just sort of pick, pick it apart. Um, I try and expand into different things. You know, I'm, I'm looking at doing some more Star Wars stuff in the future, nice, trying to expand nice. into that. You know, I'm always a big believer in that YouTube should just be for what you want to do. Like, just, Absolutely. If you if if you for a second feel like you're being forced to do something, you just feel bored by it, and that's why I sometimes get a bit burnt out with Doctor Who and have to try yeah. something else. It's not about the views. It's not about like going. Oh, it doesn't matter if this other thing that isn't Doctor Who related doesn't get many views. It's like something I wanted to make, something I want to do, and I, I kind of I kind of like that aspect. But yeah, that's sort of my uh, the vibe of my channel. I'm constantly trying to change things up and. Mm. All that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm your bog standard sort of reviewer of a TV show. I, I try and be neutral um, yeah. within the ever-changing oh. environment of the community. Yeah. I, I, like, I like that. That was a very good, that was a very eloquent way of putting it. But we'll talk We'll talk more about, say, specific episodes or eras in a moment. But just I noticed you, you're a Star Wars fan. So I, I have to, I feel like I have to ask you, uh, the sequel trilogy... Oh, mm-hmm. what what we what we feeling? What we feeling okay. with that? Straight to it then, yeah. Um, mm. I have various opinions on the sequel trilogy, um, some of which aren't popular. I'm aware because yeah. my favourite's the Last Jedi. No, uh, hey, do, do you know what with the Last Jedi? Sorry, before you go on, like with that, I remember seeing it in the cinema at the time, and I came out thinking, you know, that wasn't necessarily the best Star Wars film I've ever seen. However, it was probably like the riskiest Star Wars film I'd ever seen, and on that front, I was like fair play like n- not just doing the same thing we'd seen at that point like seven times over yeah. so yeah i respect exactly. it for that well because but... at christmas i saw the um uh it was the midnight screening but it was also the triple bill oh man <laughs> so, oh. I, so i saw the force awakens um 10 minute break last jedi 10 minute break uh rise of skywalker at midnight Jam. and it did make me realize that last jedi is it's probably my favourite out of those <laughs> three. Which isn't saying much because the, the, the trilogy as a whole, back to the original question, is definitely the worst. Sure. I just, I don't, I, it's not about, because obviously like it's better made, the CGI is great, the, the dialogue and acting is solid, unlike the prequels, you know. <laughs> but I, the, the comparison I always make is the prequels, for all their like faults, mm. it has the world building. It does. Because, like, Clone Wars exists based off the back of what the prequel set up. If the prequel ideas and the worlds and the uh, ideas and, you know, the, the, the Senate and all that sort of stuff, if that wasn't in place with the sort of lackluster films, you wouldn't have been able to do the Clone Wars. That's still all George Lucas's ideas. With mm. the sequel trilogy, I can't imagine how they'd do a Clone Wars type show because there is, they'd visit about five worlds and that's... Yeah. And it's, it... there's no, like, expansion in the story. There's no... No there's no consistency it just feels really weird which is why i just sort of have really bad taste towards it and i'm currently doing a star wars marathon yeah which i'm sort of documenting on my twitter i've never seen the animated shows before and i just finished ah. clone wars i'm just starting rebels now i just know that by the time i finish with rise of skywalker i'm just going to be so like depressed because it's just yeah it's just like all of this like even the like the faults of the prequels it's like at least it continues and it goes through it's like finishing on the note of rise of skywalker is just going to be so depressing <laughs> yeah rise of skywalker like 
and I'll get this out of the way now because I know there'll be people, as always, as I'm sure you know in YouTube comments, who like jump on you for anything. I do not have a problem with the character of Ray per se, you know, or Daisy Ridley at all. Don't have a problem with it. What I didn't really like was this whole thing of, you know, because they built up Anakin in the six films as, you know, like the chosen one. And he had that significance that even when he was Darth Vader, even when you think he's become evil, he still fulfills the prophecy, brings balance to the Force. And then to have that basically be <laughs> vaguely retconned and like Palpatine coming back. I know like we have the comics and stuff, which, you know, have done alternate reasons why he came back. But I swear in Rise of Skywalker, to explain it, don't they literally say somehow Palpatine has somehow returned? Somehow Palpatine's back. Yeah. And I think if you wanted to hear the, because the, like, they'll have this opening crawl and like, I think I counted, it's like three minutes until Palpatine's on screen. Yeah. Three minutes. And the opening crawl says he has a message. And to listen to the message, you had to tune into an exclusive Fortnite event. Not even joking. Oh, Christ. A it's, Fortnite I, event. Jesus. Oh, do you not know about this? It's no, incredible. I didn't know it was a Fortnite event. No. So the, right. the, the message, Palpatine's message is exclusive to Fortnite. It was one event that they did. Oh, my God. So you actually, you can find it on YouTube. There's a clip and it's just Palpatine. It's actually Ian McDermott doing the voice. It's like a really cool, chilling message. Could have very easily been... Like a prequel little like thing, they could have done like a little mini sword or something and dropped it online. Like yeah. a few months ago. they could have had it in the trailer. They yeah. could have had it in the teaser. They could have done anything with it, but no, it's in the title crawl and an exclusive Fortnite event. And that's that's that. Oh, that that hurts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, yeah, it does. It physically hurts even talking about it. Oh, God, Fortnite. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm, I enjoy games and stuff, but like Fortnite, I just when that whole thing like exploded. Like, I think I made a choice. I was like, if I jump on this now. Like, I'm going to get suckered into a world, just like when I was 13 with, like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, it's going to become my life, I'm not going to have a life, so I was like, no, I'm not going to install Fortnite, and I'm glad I didn't, because, like, I hear everything, you know, I mean, it's, I know it's mainly with younger children who don't understand, you know, about, like, gambling and money and stuff, how they, like, raid their parents' bank and spend, like, 20 grand on V-Bucks, and I'm just like... I'm glad microtransactions like weren't really a thing when I was like a kid in video games because it makes you it makes me worry. I mean, do you do you still game a bit? Are you a gamer? I, sorts or? I every now and then I I do enjoy video games. I just don't have much time to play them. When I do at the moment, I'm playing Modern Warfare quite a bit because yeah. a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do. I am very partial to I. I it's nostalgia for me that does it. I think a lot of franchises that I played when I was younger, I yeah. go back to. Um, yeah. Key ones, Crash Bandicoot for me is a, is a massive yes. one. I love that um, franchise. And the fact that there's a new game for the first time in like 10 years. When um, that this dropped, year is be, I was like, yeah, oh no. God. Like, I, can't I was believe very, it. very excited. Um, and uh, the Lego games as well. I'm, more, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to the Lego Star Wars game, obviously. You know, there's a big Star Wars and Lego fan. It's uh, some there. And Watch Dogs Legion I'm looking out for. You oh, know, like, okay, There's a few yeah, things yeah. here and there that I'm I'm sort of keeping an eye on. Like Red Dead's brilliant, obviously. The Spider-Man game was brilliant, but I do have an Xbox, not a PS4. So that's oh. a bit... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I only bought a PS4 last year because of Spider-Man. And it's weird because like when it came out, I was obviously like, yeah, it looks cool, but I wasn't like compelled at the time. It was only when my brother brought it home on his PS4 and, you know, he said, oh, have have a go with it. After playing it, I was like, oh my God, like I need this. Like I need this in my life. So on Facebook Marketplace, got a PS4 for 100 quid and was like, right, I'm I'm playing Spider-Man. But also I think the biggest gift it's given me is having a Blu-ray player. Because like I've snobbed Blu-ray for years and years and years. Like the, the Doctor Who collection sets, when they first came out, I was like, nah, don't have a Blu-ray player, don't need it. As soon as I got a PS4, I was like, ah, I can... So I think yeah. that's why I go towards Xbox, though, because the Xbox One S that I've got mm. is 4K. 
Oh, is it? Ah, so, right. so there's a bit of a benefit there because then I can get the fancy steelbooks. That's <laughs> always fun. Oh, mate, don't uh, talk to me about steelbooks. I've recently gone down the very slippery slope of the new oh, the is, new series, steelbooks. It's a very slippery slope in general. Uh, I did. I never liked the idea of steelbooks, and I got bought. I got bought Doctor Who series eleven on steelbook for yeah. my birthday, and I thought, "Oh, this is nice. I wonder what else they've got." <laughs> yeah. And now I've got like bloody loads of them and it, yeah. <laughs> not not just Doctor Who as well like I, I bought the Star Wars ones recently which were like they're ridiculous I mean they released all nine like Star Wars films on, on 4k steelbook within Mad. like two months I don't know who's got that kind of money but they're like 35 quid a piece Mad. I was like I cannot I say like, I'm a collector but I cannot like <laughs> It's either like go bankrupt for the sake of having a nice shelf, uh, or it's, it's the collecting dilemma, isn't it? Because I started. Oh, it's um, difficult. Yeah, I, I got the series six of Doctor Who Steelbook because that's like the new one at the minute, isn't it? At the time of yes. recording, so I was like, okay, I bought that for a modest thirty pounds or whatever, and I got lucky that in different HMVs they still had like an odd copy of series five, an odd copy mm. of series four, but my god, like series one, two, and three. It's just like you look on eBay and stuff and your heart just goes. It's like I yeah, I regretfully I did get series one for quite an expensive price. And I I <laughs> No, do, do you know what? That's fair. That is fair. I valid. I mean a ninety quid well spent? No, I don't know. I, hey, that's good. Consi- from what I've I mean, seen. For, oh, that nowadays. is good. All yeah, I've seen I mean, all I've seen of series one now is triple figures. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I no. I mean, that's the same for Series Nine. That's the only one I haven't got. Seri- However, I yeah. think I'm sort of, I'm weirdly sort of mixed on the steelbooks. Like, I'm getting them. I'm like, I'm, I'm happy to get them. They, they look great. However, like, just, just, just picture this. Like, if in, if in a few years' time, when they've done a lot of the collection boxes for Classic Who, yeah. What, like, let's just, just imagine the sort okay. of press release, right? Doctor Who, the collection, Series One or Season Twenty Seven, however they market it. Mm. Chris Eccleston behind the sofa with Chris Eccleston watching oh, his. I'd, no. I'd buy it instantly. No. <laughs> Get rid of the steelbook, eBay, vlog it. I'm getting this. Like, I'm that, oh. <laughs> and that's my thing is like I love collecting the steelbooks. They're great, but if they did collections, they would take the place, it's, and it fits in. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because like I think when the collection came out, and I think still a lot of people think this like they've always kept that, you know, distinction between classic and new who for so long now. I think there's some people who think they'll never, you know, they'll never cross it over. But I'm with you. Like, I think eventually I would not be surprised if they say like, hey, season 27 slash series they've, one. They've put so much effort into these. And I'm like, have you got any of the collection box sets? Yeah, well, I've, I've managed luckily to get all of them. Although my, my season Blimey, 12 really? Is, well, my season 12 was the reprint. Although my discs are season 10 discs, because I got a faulty one. However, well, no, yeah. but mine, I don't know about yours, but even though they're season, it looks like season 10, it's got season 12 on it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can email BBC DVD support and they send you replacements. Yeah. I did call them out on Twitter about it and I debated it, but then a weird part of my brain was like, well, it's more about the, you know, the collector in us. It's like, it's more about like the outside of the box. And I was like, realistically in my I head, suppose, I was like, yeah, I was I like, just, can I, I live couldn't... with it? So. It annoyed me. <laughs> no, that's valid, man. It, anno- it annoyed me deeply. So, yeah, they did start... Because so, the thing is, it, the box set came out, the season 12 re-release came out, um, just as, like, COVID kicked off. So, like, oh, as as those were released and the Amazon, like, dodgy batch of the um, discs, mm. the BBC were just like, oh, we're, we're really understaffed at the moment. There's, you know, there's more stuff going on. Like, we, we yeah, don't have yeah. a concrete answer. And I think it was only, like, recently, about a month ago, they started going, right, okay, we're going to send out... 
um, discs and stuff, which is great because now I've got a second copy of season twelve just with the wrong discs. Yeah, figures. So that's. I mean, you know, it's it's good. It works. I just like again though. I think having those collector box sets, the collection ones, if they ever did, um, New Who. Mm. It's, it's it's a must buy, isn't it? Really, I mean, you've got to get. Oh, absolutely! Imagine having season one, you know, of Hartnell all the way to like series twelve or through uh, 13, 14 By then, um, uh, all in the collection. I mean, that would be a mi- in the same that's... box art with all of Lee Binding's phenomenal artwork. Oh, that'd just be that's a fan's dream, pretty much, isn't it? I mean, yeah. In terms of the the collection, I mean, I saw. Um, do you know? Uh, you know, Josh Snares. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes. lovely guy. I've had him. Uh, well, by the time this comes out, I've had him on, and he's he's really lovely, really nice to chat with. But obviously, I've, uh, he's... I've, yeah, I've not spoken to him personally, but he's he's very entertaining. I'm, I'm a big fan of his content. Nice, cracking. But um, we were talking about well, he did a, uh, a video. It was like, oh, how are they going to do like you know the sixty series where they're missing episodes? Like speculating how it's going to be done, and I think like seasons. I think it was season one and season six. So Hartnell's first and Troughton's last. Aren't they like the most likely? Because like realistically, the only thing that needs to be animated or filled in in season well, one is Marco Polo, and well, then it. This, I, I, I've I've had various times to think about this. I've even I've got like a little chart. Um, oh, I like it. Which I'll be able to send you at some point. Nah, feel but free. The missing episodes. Um, in fact, I'll, that's right. You're on Skype now. I'll just I'll, I'll drop it over your way so you can sort of see for Sound context. Man, yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically a chart of all the sort of, it's sort of like a digital thing I mocked up, basically going, right, which episodes are missing, which are most likely, what's being animated, what's being like, um, what's being like remade and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking at the, like the, like the seasons with the, like, least work, this one that I'm sending you now is assuming that the um, rumour about um, the Look. Abominable Snowmen and the Evil of the Daleks is correct, by the way. Yes, yeah. So... Season two would be the easiest because you've got two episodes. To oh, animate. true. Yeah, yeah. The Crusade has two episodes missing. You could very easily pick that up. Um, next to that would be season six um, with the Space Pirates. Mm. Um, Everyone's just... favourite stories. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not familiar. I, I'm very, like, my knowledge when it comes to this stuff is I, I with, especially with missing episodes as well, it's like I am aware of them. I know the, sure. the whole situation behind them, but I've never watched like the telesnaps or anything like that because I no, kind no. of want to wait because I know they're probably going to end up being made now at some point. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> I feel like season five could be around the corner if they yeah. play the cards right. I mean, all I have to do is animate Wheel in Space and then do something with the Web of Fear, maybe just do that episode and fill in the blank. Yeah. You know, they. I think genuinely that all of these seasons will be released at some point on the collection oh, box yeah, sets. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, that's why I'm holding off from buying the new animations because I'm sort oh, of like, okay. yeah, like I do want to watch them and I have the Macro Terror and I really enjoyed that. But like at the same time, I'm sort of thinking in a few years time, they might release this. And I've got other box sets of Kosaki, which I still haven't watched yet. Like I need to get <laughs> around to them. So it's like, I'm sort of thinking, well, when these come out, I think season two, Mm. might be a surprise one i reckon yeah. that one will be i reckon honestly within the next year we could see season two i reckon they could smack us in the face with that and go surprise might be totally yeah. wrong but i reckon like that would be an amazing sort of yeah no that that would be cool especially to say there's only two missing and um i think in a i think was the only thing at least again it was all speculation but i remember in josh's video i think the only thing that he speculated that might hold them off is it isn't it there's like a bajillion characters in the chase or something or like a lot of 
costume changes or set there was it was something you know of that ilk that he speculated like oh maybe uh, for the there's, present time it's a bit too tricky i think hartnell's era in general was very adventurous yeah i just think when it comes to a classic season box set that could really blow out the water for BBC in, in terms of selling out and limited edition all that sort of thing. Having exclusive animations to a mm. collection box set would be a big move for them. And I feel like that's something they go for because they wouldn't have to do all four. I know the modern companies do that, but they could just say animate two and four and we're going to put it on the collection box set. The Crusade will not get its own DVD release or at least for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And just go season two, complete collection. Um, here's the whole box set and there's two animated episodes in there which you haven't seen before and the officially released episodes one and three of the crusade as well which obviously haven't had a dvd release for anything so i kind of like that idea and i think knowing sort of the bbc's patterns with this sort of stuff it would be a kind of big surprise shock twist thing that they could do and just go like are you expecting a tom baker season again (laughs) i mean that it'd be quite fun and i just Mm. I'm I can't just, expect that. But I'm just I getting shivers at the potential eBay prices of something like that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, can, I, I can already I. see yeah. it. I can already visualize it. So, mm. no, I, my mantra now with the collection sets is because I started getting them like on release from, I think, season 10 onwards. And like anytime they, you know, got announced, whatever, I'd be straight on Amazon, you know, pre order straight away. Like, because I know if I didn't do it, that was it, like gone. And no chance and but no season two would be I'm, I'm surprised you know so far in terms of animations they haven't gone back and quickly done the underwater menace because of course when that came out we just had a really quite poor like you know telesnap reconstruction and i remember at the time there was a lot of confusion because i think when that came out that was like four years after they actually you know found the episode they revealed that they found it so I think after four years, people were like, oh, well, they're clearly, you know, they're animating them. Clearly, I think this was before, you know, they were animating whole stories, even if episodes were still surviving. And then when it came out, we were just sort of like, oh, it's just telesnaps. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like, I'm surprised they haven't gone back quickly and just put something together. I don't know. It's really difficult to kind of, I think the modern animation teams are only doing complete stories. They're not doing like the only the missing ones, mm. which is a good thing, but also a bad thing at the same time. I, I like the idea that you could watch a whole story consistently in like in color and like really sure. nice aspect ratio, whatever. But at the same time, part of me really kind of likes having you know like the tenth planet where you can actually watch the three episodes. You, know, you, you can actually watch the episodes anyway, which I quite like that. That's an option. You still get the episodes, mm. but I think just generally, there's something I don't know. Is it? I'm I'm fifty fifty on the whole thing. I reckon if we if the rumors recently are to be believed which i think they're very likely evil of the daleks and abominable snowmen would be the 2021 releases yeah and then 2022 i reckon i reckon one of them will be either the highlanders or the underwater menace and the other will be i'm gonna say wheel in space as my guess but i don't know i think space pirates might be kept off again just for a little bit because the reason I say it is because it seems that they're wanting to go for consistent animation styles. The mm. guys who are doing Fury from the Deep, the Big Finish um, animation team, they they have a very different style. If you look at the cover for Fury from the, uh, Fury from the Deep, it looks oh, kind of yeah, different. Completely. Yeah. So if they do the Abominable Snowmen and then Wheel of Space, uh, Wheel in Space, sorry, um, it would all look consistent for season five. So when you release a box set, it all looks consistent and the same. The animation doesn't flick. I mean, it kind of does a little bit when you get to like the Ice Warriors, for example. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. And then season four, the same animation team, Underwater Menace, and then the Highlanders. And then you've got that. And then 
basically, I reckon they'll leave season four until they've done something with the Web of Fear. Um, either Phil Morris pulls his finger out or someone <laughs> <laughs> animates something and then Space Pirates. And then they can do Hartnell, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon they'll just jump right into Hartnell. This is like the whole BBC master plan, isn't it? This is your talk, talk about the Cartmel or the Daleks master plan. The BBC have got a plan. They've definitely got a plan. Um, no, I just hope we find some more missing episodes because isn't it i think it's well known now that there are there are missing episodes that do exist that private collectors are yeah, holding I on mean, to for whatever uh, reason they, they've been yeah i mean the, the bbc will probably tempt them and go like hey you know all that sort of thing i don't i i personally i'll be honest i don't understand why people hold on to these things yeah it's, i think it, as long yeah. as you come up with some good stuff like you know a, you know a little, a little bit of payment but realistically have it take scans of it hmm Put my name on the DVD credits. Yeah. And then I'll have it back and I get to keep the yeah. original. That's still priceless what you've got. And they the BBC's up, but you get to share it with everyone and you get your name out there as someone who's like a you know, the, the special thanks or something on a like sixties episode of Doctor Who. That's incredible. I would you know, if I had my hands on it on a classic <laughs> missing story, that's exactly what I'd do. I'd, I'd happily give it to the BBC as long as they can scan it and I get the original back and get a little bit of credit here and there. You know, get give yourself something. Yeah. But like people just keep a hold of it going, No, no, if you know, only I can have it. So, so George secretly has the whole twelve-part Daleks master plan under his yeah, bed. All of them, and, uh, all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm oh. using it. I'm using it to prop up the bed. It's a bit wonky. Oh, so, oh yeah. yeah, the good film cans for that. I can't yeah, move it because so. I'll just have a wobbly bed. You see, so I need, to, I need to keep it down there. <laughs> Nothing I can do, unfortunately. No, yeah. no, that's that's valid for that reason. Completely understand. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, from classic Who to a uh, modern Who. Um, I've been asking those of my guests who are into Doctor Who. I've been asking them about this because obviously, at the time of this recording, the most recently transmitted series was series twelve <laughs> of the. Re- oh, he's already laughing. Yeah, Ser- series twelve of the revival, and um, yeah. yeah, I'd just be curious to know like your thoughts on it. And you know, before again for anyone listening, as I've done in episodes in the past, like again, you can say however you feel about it. I don't mind. I'll hear you out. And do you know what I mean? All all easy for debate here. It's fine. So. Yeah, series twelve. What are you thinking? It's not bad. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yes, it's, yes. It's it's the thing about it, right? It's yes, it's not perfect, but Christ, at least it has some balls to do something. The yeah. amount, the sheer amount of people who just get so. I mean, there's a lot of obviously fully aware. There's a lot of people in this community who are strongly against it. May I remind the love of people watching? The not my doctor trend was created before Jodie even had a single episode. It's it's oh, birthed dear. basically on the fact that she's a woman. And yes, it has had things since and people can pick and choose, but who's always had politics. It's, if you look at the series for its, its merits and its failures and all that sort of thing, it isn't bad. It has a few flaws. Like sure, the companions aren't great and developed. I can't stand Ryan Sinclair, but <laughs> like, God, at least the time I, I prefer the timeless children like twist to like them saving Gallifrey and Day of the Doctor. There's like it's not oh, the okay. worst thing in the show of history. And to be honest with you, I quite like the idea of it. Like I've always had a strange fascination with the Doctor's past and Gallifreyan history. Mm. Something we never get to see much of in the show. 
And there's yeah. more shows nowadays like Westworld come out and all that sort of thing that explore these whole like hidden twists and stuff about people's backstories. And I, I just sort of always kind of craved something like that for the Doctor. So to finally have something which is like, there's a whole new era of Gallifrey here with this whole like secret service thing that the Doctor worked for before they were William Hartnell's Doctor. It's like, this is so much new stuff that you can mm. do so much with. And 57 years into a show, I'm happy that they're just finding something that made me go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, completely. I mean, let's face it, when they revealed that twist, the big, the big Finnish team were rubbing their hands together like, oh, yes. Oh, they are yes. loving it. They were <laughs> loving it, yeah. They've already got story ideas drafted to like 2028 20, or something Nicholas like Briggs that. signing on for another 40 years. He's, da- <laughs> he's down. He's there. No, I, I, in that sense, I agree with you. Like, yes, this series took risks and like that whole... I'm, I'm with you in the sense that the Timeless Children twist interested me in like what it what it opens up basically although in my opinion i thought it would have been even more interesting if um, the timeless child was revealed to be the master not the doctor yeah i think that's that's fair enough i i kind of somewhat agree with that in a way like i think that would have been interesting but at the same time i think you know what like it's a cool concept and like i'm happy to see where it goes this is the thing right Every twist and reveal, people judge this so much. People always talk about this. Like, you see loads of Doctor Who live streams and, you know, like a podcast like this and all that sort of thing. Yeah, people, yeah, yeah. Lots of people talk about, oh, so what do you think about the Timeless Children twist? It's like, yeah, but like, that's like asking, what do you think of River Song as a character, like in, in, in a story at the end of series five? Yeah. You don't know anything about her yet. Like, you don't know where it's going to go. You need to judge a twist in retrospect, you can't judge it in... I mean, like, a, a, a silly twist. You know, like, the Captain Jack appearing was great. That's a twist you can judge in the moment. But even still, people go, oh, but was he underused? Was it needed? Well, he hasn't come back yet. So why don't we wait till he comes back? And then sure. let's judge it. With saving Gallifrey, Day of the Doctor, they save Gallifrey. It's like, oh, that's interesting. But I can't really judge that until I see what Moffat's got planned. And what he had planned was hell-bent. So now I go, that was shit. Oh. So... <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a. See, personally, I love Hellbent myself. So, uh... <laughs> no, like, it's, look, it's Hellbent isn't bad. Like the first half, it's like quite decent. I enjoy it. It's mm. the thing about it is like Moffat did this whole saving Gallifrey thing because he couldn't think of any other ideas for the fiftieth. That's that's the way I perceive it. It's because sure. he did this thing and went, "All oh, right, what do we do now?" And his only idea was like, "Oh, we'll go back to Gallifrey and then he'll leave it again." And yeah. it's like there was no real reason to bring back Gallifrey. There was no actual story to be told. You. Showrunning, I feel like the best kind of showrunners pick out something that they only make the story decisions, like the big, big story decisions, if they know and they've got this story that they really passionately want to tell and they can't wait to write down. Moffat didn't really have that with Saving Gallifrey. It was just a sort of way to get all the Doctors back in for the 50th, which, yeah, was cool at the time, but that was seven years ago. Come on, you know, let's be let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, with The Timeless Children... Yeah, it's a big twist. Yes, it could mean drastic things, but like we don't know what series thirteen is going to do yet. It might, it might go nowhere, and I might look back at it and go, "That was crap." But it might go somewhere, and I might go, "This is one of the best things that's ever happened in Doctor Who's history." Because it did this, it did this, it did this, it led to this. You can't see what something leads to before it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not even had an extra episode yet to like distill it. They might do more in Revolution. We don't even know yet. I doubt yeah. it, but I, we don't know yet. I think that's where it's unfortunate that the, the twist was sort of revealed at the end of a season when we knew there was going to be a big substantial gap of time before anything else on Keep, TV. Keeps you hooked, though. I like that. Well, that no, no, no. Of course, it's it's the advantages and disadvantages in it. Like, yeah, it keeps you hooked. It keeps you interested. But for those maybe who 
reacted negatively it's it's a reason to go oh well yeah the show's ruined (laughs) everything's ruined but um i think it's just it's 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 such an exaggeration and people get really upset about these things but i see people all the time like and this is the the example i use river song it's like people see something the official doctor who account will post something with ruth uh the ruth doctor being there people will go Tell us, tell us where she comes in the timeline. What's, what's going on? Tell us. It's like, first of all, you're, you have no idea how marketing works because there's one person who, poor bugger, is running these Twitter accounts and yeah, running social yeah. media posts. They, first of all, won't respond. Second of all, <laughs> they won't know because Chibnall doesn't sit running the account. <laughs> and third of all, like, it's, it's mental. It's, it, of course it's not being explained yet. That's ridiculous. That's like this begging for something that you don't need. It ruins the whole concept of actually actual storytelling 101. Again, it's like at the end of series five, you go on Twitter and someone, they post something like a quote from River Song and they go, oh my God, that was terrible. Tell us who she is. Makes no sense. I'm like, well, that she's teasing. It's, it's, ah, oh, because it's, let's be honest, it's not the last time we've seen the Ruth Doctor. Fans oh, love her too much. Not. And yeah, Chibnall's still yeah, writing yeah. the series. Well, he's probably written it by now, but... Like, he knows. He had time. And he says he doesn't read reviews. But, like, you cannot tell me he's totally unaware of everything. And one overwhelming thing from the sort of more positive side of the Doctor Who community is that Ruth Doctor is amazing. Bring Joe mm. Martin back as the Doctor. She's brilliant. Absolutely. Mm, stun- I mean, I just think, like, with the Joe Martin thing, I was, like, I like you're right. I love her. I love her casting. I love her Doctor, even though she's only been on screen for, like, 20 minutes, half an hour. Like, I love it. Um, and I am curious, like it, like you say, yeah, you do get those questions of like, who is she? Where does she fit in the timeline? But that's the, the whole analysis, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, you're right. That's the fun of it. Like all these videos you see like on YouTube of people saying, right, let's talk about who she could be. Is it the 6B theory between Doctors 2 and 3? Is it, you know, is it something else? I love all that speculation. And like for me at the minute, um, yeah, I'm waiting for that question to be answered because the whole thing about, you know, there being pre Hartnell incarnations, which I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, that's become like a meme in the community. Like, you know, ins- insert yeah. thing here as a pre Hartnell doctor. I'm still, I'm still waiting to be a pre Hartnell doctor myself. But I'll just keep <laughs> sitting there patiently every day. Give right. it time, man. Give, Give it time. time. <laughs> but yeah, I, just with um, that whole notion, I mean, Hartnell is still the first doctor because in my, what I took away from it was. He is the first incarnation, yeah, he's not the first incarnation, but he's the first incarnation that took the title of the Doctor. So technically, he is the first Doctor. That's how I, mean, I viewed yeah, it. Yeah, part of me agrees with that, but then I also see that Joe Martin probably isn't going to be playing a post-Hartnell Doctor and did call herself the Doctor. So I well, kind of have to be like, yeah, like William Hartnell is the first Doctor. He's the first Doctor yeah. that we knew, that we saw, that all that sort of thing. But the way you look at it is, he's the first Doctor... Ruth Doctor, calling herself the Doctor even still, is the fugitive. That's like the timeless child, the fugitive, the uh, the foundling incarnation cycle. Mm. Before they got mind wiped, turned into a child and turned into Hartnell. That's yeah. they're, they're the foundling and then they're yeah. the Doctor. That's how I see it is that like, I don't understand why people hate the twist so much. I, I like it. Yes, it didn't change Geordie too much. And that's the one criticism I do understand about it. People saying like, it ruins Hartnell's legacy and this, that, and the other. I just, I think it's totally pointless. I really do. I just think, what is the actual point in complaining about this sort of stuff? Like, yes, you can not like something. I'm not saying you can't not um, like something, but it just, Mm. it's a lot to like to motivate yourself every single day to go in. Hi, um, you don't know me, but I hate the timeless children. (laughs) Who who cares? Like really every day, really? Like, come on. 
I, I, I'm a Doctor Who YouTuber and I don't talk about it. I don't even think about it every day. I've got more important things. I've got more bigger fish to fry than the timeless children. Like that, that, that was, it was March. It was yeah. like six months ago-ish now. And it's like, mm. I d- why do people still get competitive over this? Why are people still arguing every single day? Yeah. It's it is it is crazy. It really is. And and like you say, the whole not my doctor thing, like I mean, jo- like I wish we could just get the whole like Jody is a woman, that is okay. She is playing the doctor, that is also okay. Like what's the what you can I, I, as an actor myself, you can critique performance. Of course of you course. can. It doesn't matter whether you're I'm not, I'm not yeah, no, I'm like yeah, yeah, I'm, no yeah, one's yeah. saying you can't critique Jody's performance, but it's not about that. It's this constant obsession with political agendas. Mm. That is that aren't even being forced. No, no, of course. I mean, it, m- more not so the political stuff. Like in series twelve, you know, you had the episodes, you know, like Orphan Fifty Five and Praxius that had like very clear messages, shall we say? Um, I I personally felt those messages, like whilst important, and I'm glad they were included. I felt they, in my opinion, they sort of slammed us a bit too much around the head with it, I, rather I'd, than doing. I'd I'd agree, mm. but I would go as far to say Doctor Who's always been like that. Okay. So, I don't so think, probably... I don't think, I think, yes, Doctor Who, Doctor Who isn't, I mean, people might shoot me for this, but even Hartnell's sure. era, right? It's not mm. perfect. There are a few duds oh, and there no, are a no, few no, things. Of I mean, Doctor Who's always been a very progressive and, um, I guess, kind of liberal show. Not Absolutely. Not like directly, but it's influenced by, I mean, for Christ's sake, well, not my Doctor people find out that the show was started by a, a Canadian, uh, a gay Indian man and a woman. <laughs> They'll they'll be they'll be furious. <laughs> Freak out, yeah. yeah. No, it's um I think I, I think what I meant more was like I, I agree with you, like there has always been uh, political points throughout Doctor Who history and there's always been moments in every era that aren't perfect. Like even like my favourite doctor in era personally is Peter Capaldi. God love him, love that man. But yeah, there are still points where I'd be like, Well, you know, this isn't perfect, that isn't perfect. There is no such thing, I think, as a perfect era of Doctor Who. It just doesn't, well, perfection doesn't exist. Yeah, it's all subjective. Uh, what I, I think what I meant was like with the uh, with the messaging in my view is like you take a story like The Green Death from Pertwee's time, which yes, is all about, you know, how we're affecting the environment, but you know, like uh, dumping of like toxic waste and what that can do to our environment and stuff like that. And yeah, there are moments within those six episodes where they really, in a way, you know, put it in your face. You've got anti, um, you know, like fossil fuel protesters. You've got comments about it you know what i mean it's not like subtle to the point where it's not talked about i just i don't know for me it was like in an episode like that like yes it's talked about but i felt it was woven in a way that made me think about it without the characters almost feeling like they're looking down the lens saying do you know what i mean whereas for me at least with orphan 55 and i think i well regular listeners might i think i mentioned this in another show but you know, at the start of Jodie's speech, at the, at the very end of Orphan 55, um, when she says, you want me to tell you it'll all be, you know, the earth will all be okay, but I can't do that. When she said that, I was like, cool. Like, that's really, like, you know, dark. That's really atmospheric. You know, I like that writing. I'm here for it. Because I think it's good that, you know, to all audiences, including, you know, kids, like, it's good that the Doctor is saying, you know, I can't always make it sunshine and rainbows. Like, there are, I, I like that. But then, the rest of it, whilst, again, a well-written speech, I just thought was more of like a, I think we summarised it as like an 80s PSA, you know, about climate change bad. Just in my opinion, as like as a viewer taken oh, away no. from. Not, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I mean, Orphan 55 is a bad episode. I don't like it. Like, I'm not, mm. I'm not saying it's perfect. I think um, 
your comparison is, is, is totally fair with the with the Green Death. The difference I'd make is that I think the Green Death and Arachnids in the UK had very similar messages. Yes. The difference between it is one is 50 minutes long and the other is six 25-minute episodes <laughs> long. You've got more yeah. time where you can have similar amounts of messages in there that feel more spread out because you're not trying to cram it into an hour. Mm. With the, the 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 big comparison I'd make is, is the difference again. Like Series 1, I think, is a really progressive series. I mean, there's... Mm. I, I'm surprised. I think if Series 1 came out now, if let's just say Series 1 didn't exist and it started with Series 2, um, mm. and Series 1 was made now with like Jodie's Doctor and like a new companion, right? Mm. People would go mental. People would hate it. <laughs> Do you re- Honestly, they would hate it. You've got... Yeah. Uh, I mean, what... I mean, this, the second episode for, has a big focus on like capitalism and the rich and the poor. You've end of the world there. And you've got the Slovene two-parter. I mean, politicians are alien, big green aliens inside skin suits. Hmm. 9-11 metaphors of the thing hitting <laughs> Big Ben. And yeah. you've got Boomtown, which is about like um, capital punishment. The whole episode yep. focuses on that. Mm-hmm. Um I just don't know what else. You've got stuff like Father's Day, and all, I mean, there's there's little things here and there and that, and um, you know, Captain mm. Jack, Captain Jack Hartness, for Christ's sake. I mean, yeah. Again, like, it's, yeah. It's so strange, isn't it? And I think so. Obviously, social media has been a big factor as to why I think more more people are, are now, you know, like with these themes coming out and saying don't like this, don't like that. Because I think, you know, to some extent, those people I think have always been there. It's just I think before social media really took off aside from, I guess, like, you know, your close mates or whatever, they might, you, you wouldn't necessarily hear them all the time. Because let's face it, when we were growing up, when we were kids, like when I first started watching Doctor Who with series one back in 2005, the only people I'd be talking about it with were my mates in the school playground. Do you know what I mean? And like, we all loved it. We all watched it. I mean, someone might say, oh yeah, I've tried watching it and I'm not into it. But I mean, especially as a kid, the conversation really doesn't go much deeper than that. Yeah, but that's what I, I mean, I think, though. You know, that's, yeah. uh, because I think we're older, we see a different side of it. Whereas I can mm. absolutely guarantee there are kids on the playground now who watch Jodie's era and think it's perfection. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, I think that's great. Like, I've seen, you know, those interviews they do for, like, Children in Need or whatever, where they're, you know, where they're talking to someone, why do you love Jodie's Doctor? And then she appears, that sort of stuff. But I think with kids, you can... I think it's very obvious with children when what they're saying is genuine and when you can tell they've been given like a script to say and in all those interviews because you know what people are oh they've been told to say this blah 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 in all those ones with Jodie in particular I think like those kids come across as 100% genuine you see their excitement you know their enthusiasm oh I'm talking about Doctor Who and it's you you can't you can't force a child to say something without it coming across as forced quite frankly so yeah I mean like Chris I met Jodie in person and I I was like whoa I was blown away and I was like, what, 17 at the time, 18? I was like, it was Mad. exciting, you know? What was, what, how, did, how did you meet her? Like, I got, because of YouTube, I believe, I was very luckily invited to see The Woman Who Fell to Earth um, premiere in oh, Sheffield, wow. which was amazing. Mm. Um, and a very, very lucky experience, which I've talked about on the channel back uh, way back when, but obviously at the time didn't have as many subscribers as I did now. So it's probably not, sure, it's yeah. sort of just sort of hidden away. Um but it was a good, it was a great experience. Really, really nice. I very briefly met Jodie there. Not, she can't get too much of a perspective because she was very um, busy a lot of the night with press and, <laughs> of course, you know, and yeah. all that sort of thing. And stress as well. You know, your first episode of Doctor Who, you know, this famous character and people outside of the BBC are seeing it for the first time. It's it's going to be a, a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. Um, I did speak to Chris Chibnall there. And he was oh, yeah. really, really nice. Yeah, I yeah, genuinely, which is why I, part of the reason why I sort of 
find a sort of inner need to defend the guy because he is so nice in person. Like, incredibly lovely, really, really nice person. That I just like, I feel bad for him. Like, even though I don't yeah. love his writing, I certainly don't think he's like amazing at what he does. But like, I feel bad for the guy because he's just a nice guy who cares about the show and just wants to get his like, his style across and he wants to leave his print on the show's history. And like, you know what? I love him for that. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think it's very easy for some people to forget, like, especially those who like go after him, even if they're saying it's criticism, you know, like sometimes you'll see something and you say, Hey, that's, that's not like nice in general. Not, it's not a criticism. It's just not nice to say about anyone. And they go, Oh, well, you know, Chibnall's not on Twitter. He doesn't read, you know, he, he's not going to see this. I'm like, you can't a hundred percent know that you can't know that. Like there is no way you like, what, yeah, what, what maybe has, the great chances you, you won't. What if he has a Twitter? Just because he hasn't got an official Twitter, what if yeah. you might have the app download, you might have a secret it's, account it, that he looks at things on. Like, personal personal insults are never needed. No, absolutely not. And, like, the the thing I don't get is, and I've mentioned it a couple of times to those who regularly listen, but these people who are like, Jodie and Chris are intentionally dis- destroying Doctor Who. Okay, well, one, like, they've both been hired by the BBC. They are paying them their salary. Why on earth would they go out of their way to destroy what is keeping them paid? Like, that's my first question. And and two, like, I don't know, just as for Jodie as an actor and Chris mainly as a fan of the show, of course, when he was young, why, why would that be his intent? He wouldn't have sat down day one and be like, guys, I'm going to destroy Doctor Who. Like, he could have been like, I'm going to flip it on its head. I'm going to do something no one's ever done before. I think that's not the same as... He he didn't sit down and was like, "Here's my five year plan of how I'm gonna get Doctor Who cancelled." I just think it's ridiculous. Like, why? No showrunner of any show in history thinks like that. No of course way. not. Of course not. I think Chibnall's era in general is incredibly underrated. I feel like yes, it's not perfect, but I feel a sort of um, need to sort of defend it because it's like it's not that much worse than other Doctor Who, you know? It's not, mm. like, appallingly bad that it shouldn't... It doesn't deserve the reaction it gets. I've always said that Series 11, despite its many flaws, is a perfect introduction to someone for Doctor Who. Mm, like, it's sure. brilliant. I mean, the fact that you get an entire episode with the Doctor and the Companions and the Sonic Screwdriver. You don't even see the TARDIS episode too. They have the second episode, mm. that's about... You get you know, the TARDIS, you get what it's about and all that sort of thing. And you get the time yeah. travel aspect for episode three. You don't meet a famous Doctor Who monster until the um, special, where you meet a Dalek mm. for the first time. It stretches everything out. I like yeah. that. It's yeah. not confusing. My my mum, my grandparents, like, have grown up with me loving Doctor Who. Series 11 was the first one they properly watched every episode of, and they enjoyed it because yeah. it's easy to understand for new viewers. It, it, I feel like Stephen Moffat tried to do this with Series 10, you know, the, the pilot and everything. Yes, I yeah. Think, the thing with Series 10 is you do alienate audiences when you have two masters, three generations of Cybermen, <laughs> Ice Warriors. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about? It's a perfect introduction. But it's loads of stuff. It's yeah. just it's so it's too confusing. And then yeah, yeah. But yeah. then I'd say the same thing about series twelve. I think it went too far. But then people who criticise or oh, Chibnall never listens to reviews and fans. It's like he clearly bloody does because you yeah. all complained about having no classic monsters. You all complained about Yaz having no story. And what do they do? They give Yaz a bit of a story. They give you Cybermen. They give you Dune. They give you the Master. Yeah. They give you bloody Gallifrey. Like. Come on! Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think know it's... how much was planned beforehand, but like it sure. seems like he's looking at fans' reactions and going, "Right, I'll do that next series." He's trying to refine it, so I feel like Chibnall's last season might be his best. 
Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, like I think I think sometimes we forget, unless I suppose you were there, like back in the sixties. Like I try and put myself in the mindset of think about like you know when when a uh, Troughton took over and when like all the you know production team changed and like you know gone with say the historical stories and it was more of like the sciency based under siege stuff. Like if you've been growing up with Hartnell for three years, you know with like as you said like ambitious like historical romps and you know all that sort. If that was what you're used to. I'm sure back in the 60s that 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 sort of tonal switch was like, hey, hang about, you know, like what what's this? Because it's it's different. And, you know, naturally humans, we to some extent, I think, resist change. Like sometimes during series 11 and 12, I could feel that part of my brain being like, you know, this isn't what it was. This is different. But then I have to tell myself, but that is Doctor Who. Doctor Who has always been about changing doing something different. Yeah, no, and I've always been supportive of that. The thing is through, you know, if I've sat through series seven eight and nine of doctor who i think i can sit through anything so I, <laughs> oh I'm, that's <laughs> i'm happy to you know like i can take series 11 and 12 and i can probably take series 13 like i'm gonna sit i'm i'm gonna stick with this show if i stuck mm. through it in the series that i didn't really enjoy too much i'm certainly gonna stick with it now that i enjoy it a little bit more and that's yeah. not again that's people are allowed their own opinions like people seem to get very upset about people just not agreeing with them nowadays and stuff like i enjoy um, series 11 and 12, you know, maybe not mm. as much as some people do, but certainly not as, um, as little as others do, you know, it's, I'm, I'm sort of in between with series 11, more so with series 12, you know, it's, it's been years since Doctor Who has given me a moment where it's genuinely excited the hell out of me. I mean, yeah, I t- cause series, you know, Moffat's production team weren't great at keeping secrets. I think that's very well documented. <laughs> I think, you know, for all his, for all his faults, again, Chris Chibnall can hide a secret. I knew yeah. about little things during the series going into it that I just didn't talk about because I was like, well, I'm going to try and keep it. Didn't, no clue about the master. Absolutely yeah. not. That took me so off guard because I thought, yeah, I know I know what this series is going to be going in. I'd heard rumours about Sasha Dewan playing the master and I thought, no, I think I did, did a bit of research and it was like, oh no, he's playing an MI6 agent. Technically mm. he was. But he was. I love it. I Honestly, I remember like my reaction was like, <laughs> Oh my God, they're doing it. They're actually going to do it. The, the, the house and it's, oh, it was exciting. And episode, um, episode five, was it? Uh, For, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. God. I mean, that, again, sat with, I sort of had a few inklings about Jack, but I was, yeah, yeah we sat and we watched it as a, as a group and it was just incredible. And, you know, like Doctor Who has never done that in years for me and it was just amazing to have that back and the Ruth Doctor reveal I have to be honest my first reaction was oh no this is no because you know what because there was that rumor yeah there was that rumor before series 12 and it was like oh series 12 is going to reveal that the doctor had a previous incarnation like regeneration cycle that were all women Uh, yes yeah so that that I don't agree with I think that's that's too forced obviously that's not the case but when that happened I thought oh they're doing it they're doing that that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I can't, this is too, oh. And I think I was a bit disappointed because I saw the, you know, because she was called Ruth and she had like an R necklace. I thought, I was so convinced she was going to be the Rani. I was so, <laughs> so convinced. I was like, I've got this. I've got it in the bag. She's the Rani. Come on. She's the Rani. No. What? <laughs> it's, we're all banking on that. I remember when, you know, when we first saw Missy in Deep Breath and everyone was like, it's the Rani. It's got to be the, like, the, Michelle Gomez is the Rani. Like, it has to be. And, like, obviously, I thought she was great as uh, as Missy, female master, whatever, but there's this weird thing in there amongst the fandom. Like, we forget the Rani's only appeared in, like, two TV stories, yet everyone's like, bring back the Rani. <laughs> like, 
Next you'll be, I don't know, it'll be like Bring Back Sill or From Vengeance on Vara. Which, to be fair, I mean, I, I wouldn't say no to Sill, quite frankly. like Or any classic in, monster, in really. In scenario? Oh, God, well, something... <laughs> I mean, again, but like you say, Vengeance on Varos, you could argue, is very lined with, like, politics and ethics and morality. So probably another, like, morality tale. I just hope they'd update it to be, yeah, just something where Sill's out for like, a bit of cash. You just... I take I take loads of classic monsters. I think that'd be a great idea. I love the rumor that the uh, was it the Vord. I think we're going to be in series twelve. Oh, when I saw that, I was like, if they bring back the Vord, that'd be incredible. Like, I'd love that. Yeah. I thought you know it links no, into no, the whole Cyberman cool. thing. I thought that would have been that would have been kind of cool if they done that. You know, um, yeah. But no. I mean, you never know. I mean, we forgetting you know Gridlock. They brought back the Macra. No one saw that coming in a million years. Like, oh, there's Macra now. Like, um, yeah, I wonder, like, it, it, well, off the top of your head, aside from, like, the Vord, is there, like, a classic monster that maybe got, like, a, a one-time or two-time appearance that you'd be like, yeah, I'd, I'd See, have that I, back. Again, I'm very behind on Classic I need to catch up with it. I've uh, not seen too fair. much of it, yeah. but, um, and even the ones I have seen, I usually tend to stick to what's familiar, so Dalek, Cybermen, you know. Um, Some of the best stories, to be fair. Yeah, I... I would be really, because I saw Ark in Space recently, I'd be really interested in seeing the Wirren back. Just mm. with a new CGI budget, like that could be really well done and just give the monsters a little bit more credit for being like actually good. Um, mm. I mean, again, like the Ford would be quite an interesting one. I'd love to see the Yeti. Um, yeah, back. yeah, great. the Yeti. Yeah. Um, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to see another like because uh, I, I think in the early series, like I think it happened once or twice in Hartnell's time, and certainly in Troughton's, like like to have the Doctor have an evil doppelganger, you know, like Salamander in the Enemy of the World, and I don't know what it is like because obviously when that story came back, I think it had a reputation around it before then because I think it was only Episode Three that survived, which it quite frankly, watching the whole thing, it is the dullest episode if you want to call it that of the story so i think beforehand you know i talked to be oh the enemy of the world oh don't you know don't bother with that one because i think the audio didn't do it justice to the visuals they were like no don't bother it you know you can pass on it but then seeing it i really love that idea that there's just someone out there who happens to look exactly like the do you know what i mean i just think it's so it's so novel like and just imagining jody coming up against someone who looks exactly like her but i think, I think it's, would be I, I think it's it should be accepted at doctor who at this point i mean capaldi christ i mean oh. <laughs> no. i mean they gave him a whole subplot like why did i choose this face but hey no, remember that guy in pompeii oh well, yeah that's why i picked this but exactly face. <laughs> and you had colin baker who played that gallifreyan like soldier and then you had obviously yeah. again um peter capaldi as well who played um the politician guy in torchwood yeah There's well i was but, yeah. There's people who, before Jodie, there was, you know, like, oh, Olivia Coleman should do it, which, I mean, yeah, fair play. I should give a good crack of the whip. But there were some people still being like, oh, but she she appeared in the 11th hour as a guest role, so she can't do it. I'm like, please Google <laughs> actors who appeared in Doctor Who I, I would find it quite funny, once. though, to see that, like, Olivia Coleman's Doctor's, like, first series arc be like, oh, how did I, you know, how did I choose this <laughs> face? Like, oh, there's that woman in a coma. <laughs> yeah that's why hey my 11th life and there was this woman yeah, yeah. that's the face i'll go for no I, I like the way to be honest with capaldi how they wove how they wove that's not the right word how they weaved it in because of course they sort of teased it in the first episode you know how he looks in the mirror he's like oh i i know this face or where have i found it and i don't know just the way they sort of explained it because i mean is it controversial to say series eight is my favorite series of the revival era <laughs> <laughs> jesus and is it actually yeah, that's insane. My, my reasoning, and again, like regular listeners will know why, but I feel it's important to say, like, 
at the end of Matt Smith's time, I don't get me wrong, I love all the 50th anniversary stuff, you know, the whole celebrations, everything that was going on. But I felt towards the end of that era, for me, just personally, maybe it was where I was at, you know, I was 18, full of teenage angst as you do and all that sort of stuff. I felt it was getting a little bit too whimsical, just for just for me personally. I was a bit like, we're getting a bit too fairy tale per se. And um, with Capaldi, who came in, you know, obviously completely different to Matt Smith, and the whole series was a lot edgier and rough around the edges and Capaldi took no shit basically from anyone. I, I know a lot of people, you know, said it was too much and it was, you know, that's not the doctor. But in my head, I was like, well, at that point, you know, he's a 2000 year old guy who's like, if people are like treating him the same, you know, like mistreating him, should we say like how he loses faith in humans and stuff like I'd be pissed off a lot more of the time. I wouldn't take any shit. And I don't know. I think because again, like you were saying with the Chibnall thing, taking risks because they made him so, you know, different in to some people unlikable. I really loved it for that because it was a really unique doctor. I like the moment in into the Dalek, you know, when he's like to that guy who's being eyed up by the probes and he's like, Oh, you know, um, he was dead anyway. Like, yeah, that's, that's really left field. We were all like, Oh, like we, you'd never expect the doctor to say that. But then I don't know, just the way he played it and the way it was written. I was like, I get it. Like this guy's 2000 years old and he's confronted with more like in his mind, you know, stupid humans, of course, like not all of them are going to survive along the way. And yeah, I just, I, I think I just appreciated the darkness in that. Not saying I'm a dark guy overall. Like I'm not like, oh, everything must be dark and gritty. You can have fairy tale. You can have whimsy. Of course you can. I feel Jodie has that and I love it. But I just feel at that time for Doctor Who, like the writing, Capaldi's portrayal, for me, it all just blended perfectly. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, I've got a great Doctor here with some really cracking story. And even the ones people don't like as much, like in the Forest of the Night, yeah, it's it's probably the weakest episode of the season, but there's still loads of like mini moments that I love. And it's mainly down to him as an actor. I, I mean, I always think he's the best in terms of acting. He's the best actor who's taken the role in my opinion. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's my favorite season, but I just love the Capaldi era. So yeah. Well, that's fair enough. Um, I think I, I went a bit lukewarm with the Capaldi era, but that's, you know, it's, it's fine. I enjoy it. And I'm yeah. sure like, I need, it, it does, it is in need of a rewatch for me, admittedly. Um, I will sure. probably when I finish my Star Wars marathon, probably going to do a new <laughs> rewatch because I think it's, it's about time. It's been a while, you know, it's a bit, bit rusty. So I might go back because there's a few episodes that just sort of slip through the cracks that I kind of forget about. So maybe it is time to go and jump back on that, especially Capaldi's first year, um, his first series. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's episodes like Kill the Moon, which I know oh, everyone Christ is like, yes. I know, yep, I know, I know. And everyone's like, oh, it's really bad. Uh, the, the whole, the moon is an egg. I was a bit like, mm, I don't know about that. But the whole, you know, people say, oh, the Doctor shouldn't have left. You know, Clara, it was a dickish move or whatever. W watching it at the time, and even now I'm like, but what, you know, why can't the Doctor have those moments? Like, the Doctor is a rounded character. He can't be, in my mind, you know, he shouldn't, he or she shouldn't necessarily be, you know, nice 100% of the time, if, if the moment is justified. And it's it's almost like, you know, that McCoy manipulatism, how he's leaving his companions, trusting they'll do the right thing. It's, do you know what I mean? That's what it echoed for me. And I was like, I like again, it's different. Matt Smith, yeah, he would have never have done that. Matt Smith would have stayed on that space station, you know, sorted it out, whatever. So I love the fact we had a Doctor who would basically just do whatever the hell he wanted. Like, if I he liked didn't that. Feel like helping, I just wish he yeah, hadn't changed like, it for Series 9. Yeah, well, yeah, this is it. I mean, I think Capaldi is still, I think you could give him any bit of writing and he'd just ace it. But um, yeah, just, yeah, Series 9, I think... My, if I were, as every Doctor Who fan said, if I was showrunner, 
Um, I would have still had him mellow. So, you know, by the end of his era, he's he's not as edgy or grumpy as he was at the start. I just think, like, I just think at the start of Series 9, they did that way too quick. They literally went from 10 on the grumpy dial to, like, 1. And it it jarred, I think, that first episode. From Last Christmas to The Magician's Apprentice. Just, like you say, the tonal shift. And I know they're trying to justify it in the writing. Like, oh, he's, you know, he knows he's going to die because of the confession dial or whatever it is. But... It was just too jarring for me, like that that tonal shift, and I wish Moffat had been a bit braver. But um, alas, that's that's a topic for another day. Um, I know we are coming up to an hour, but there was one more thing I wanted to ask you, just because I'm I've been really curious. Um, the U- the YouTube name Ace Creeper. Where did you might have explained it in a video? But oh, where yeah, did that come it's, from? It's a weird one. Is the name? I mean, I. <sighs> Right. So, I mean, when I started my channel for perspective, mm. I was, <laughs> I must have been, I must have been about 12, 12 years old. Okay. Um, this was, I was in like, um, I was about 12. And when I was about 10 or 11, I had my first Xbox. When I, I know exactly where this is going. When I Go had, on, when I had, um, my Xbox name at the time was something horrible. I think it was like Rural Blowfish or something. I, <laughs> and obviously the Xbox Live community were lovely about that. So, oh, I'm sure they yeah. were, yeah. <laughs> so I, I obviously wanted to change that. I was, what did I play at the time? I must have played Minecraft and I must have played Assassin's Creed. So I wanted to go Assassin Creeper 90,000. That okay. didn't happen because Xbox wouldn't let you have above like 15 characters. So I ended up settling with Ace Creeper 9,000. When I made a YouTube channel, I just stuck the name on that because when I started YouTube and you can still go back, there are a few old videos there. I did do a bit of Minecraft and I did do a bit of, I mean, a lot of the time Minecraft and then like five minutes at Freddy's and other random stuff that I just thought was entertaining, but obviously very, very clearly wasn't. Um, I just kept the name Ace Creeper 9,000 and then, I watched a video from Tomska, a British YouTuber, yep. mm-hmm. who talked about his advice on like YouTube and all that sort of thing. And one thing that I always took away from that was he said, get rid of the number. Because uh, you know, yeah, yeah. people forget the number and then you, they can't find you if you're a small channel. So I got rid of 9,000 and I kept Ace Creeper. And I started growing with Doctor Who. I got to a point where I was like, oh... I don't want to change it because if I, if I if I change it, then people might... Because the thing is, you see a channel name change, you start clicking away. I know the Who Addicts had a sort of similar thing. They changed their, they they, they changed their channel and their theme and everything. And that was a totally different thing altogether. But they lost subscribers from that. And it was like, if you just... I mean, obviously they wanted to change the name because they just were sick of Doctor Who at the time. And I get that. Um, but I think I didn't want to change it from Ace Creeper for big, two big reasons. Is one because I didn't want to lose anyone. I didn't want anyone to be confused at who they were watching and like, where's mm. who is this person that I've subscribed to? I'm not going to watch this content. Yeah, yeah. But also, I didn't want to make it Doctor Who related. I didn't want to go like, no, of course, Tardis Lover, like whatever, like because it just doesn't <laughs> really for me. It's like, well, then if I st- if I get sick of Doctor Who, what am I going to yeah. do? What am I going to do? What am I? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, would, I yeah. I, yeah, I put a poll a few months ago because, I mean, on, on my channel, I sort of style the intros and outros like classic BBC TV, you know, like Rolling mm. Globes and yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And I, I call it. That's great. Yeah, I just call it AMTV because, you know, it's my mm. dad of mine. It's, it's simple. It works. Yeah. But um, I did a poll just out of curiosity, you know, because some people in the comments just started calling, you know, the channel AMTV. So I said, you know, would, you know, should I change the name to 
you know, AMTV or Adam Martin in brackets AMTV or vice versa and stuff. And like you say, the majority was just just keep it the same. I think, like you say, once people establish a link with a channel, the, you know, they want that to stay regardless. I, I had so. a bit of a thing where, like about a year ago or so. I was like, oh, well, not even a year ago. It must have been a few months ago now, actually. I just sort of went, I'm getting a bit sick of Ace Creeper. I'm kind of thinking about changing it and all that sort of thing. So I, I took a lot of inspiration from, again, Josh Snares, probably mm. my favourite Doctor Who channel, I think, you know, bar oh, Crispy Pearl. I'm stuff. clearly a fan of the Australians. Um, <laughs> His his channel it just looks professional, it feels professional, but it's not like it's not like a username. It's it's just his name and it's about him. So I kind of wanted to go in that direction, but then I just thought like, nah, there's just and also there's a bit of nostalgia there. It's like if I change that, then that's seven years, seven and a half years of Ace yeah. Creeper, and then what like a year of George Sheard. It just doesn't really. I don't no, know. Absolutely. It's like I I wouldn't really feel comfortable with that. And I did have a bit of a think about it. Um, I did move into different projects and I did different things. Um. Mm. Because they get to a point where you get sick of doing one thing. And I, I do get a bit tired of doing YouTube every now and then. My my motivation bar is currently quite low in terms of mm. content. And that's fine. Sure. You know, it'll go up eventually. You know, as, as we get closer to the Christmas special, it'll it'll bump up again. You know, I've got some exciting things to talk about. I'll get onto that in a bit. Um, mm. But like there's... It's sort of like at the moment, I'm sort of thinking, right, okay, I've got this other stuff. I've got like a website and I've got like different projects that I can think about. I've got uni work. I've got like socializing. I'm just not really like in the YouTube frame of mind um, mm. too much currently. But, you know, it is nice every now and then to make a video and talk about stuff and all that sort of thing. I just think with Doctor Who, it, it's, it is running dry a little bit, which is why I'm sort of jumping into Star Wars a bit more because it's just there's not really much to talk about now. Mm. But I admire that. Again, like you say, you just sort of lead with that. And I think a lot of uh, creators do it, which is good. They just sort of lead with whatever they want to make, you know, regardless of views or monetization or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I appreciate that as a fellow creator that you just sort of make what you want, because I know I, I try and follow that as well. But I mean, sometimes I, I was very lucky earlier in this year where my channel had quite a a boost in like some of the monetization aspects it's gone down now because you know copyright claiming is a wonderful feature here on youtube but um again you, you sort of i think you know by default get that little thing in your head saying oh well this is what's doing well so you've you've got to make more of this and it was a real struggle at some months you know to sort of say to myself no but i want to make this and yeah. i should make this yeah like yeah a lot of it no, a lot tough. of it does balance between what people like and i've always sort of talked about this is like i i balance everything like i Everything I make is something I want to make. I'm not going to make something that's out of my comfort zone. A lot of people enjoyed this complete history of the Master and the Doctor. I enjoyed doing it. I, I yeah. did enjoy doing it, but it's a lot of work. And I, there's what I'm taking on now, there's there's no time for that. I am doing a video similar to that, but it's only mm. going to be about 10 minutes-ish. Opposed to like a big one. Um, and I just, like, it's... It's finding a way of doing stuff, but at the same time, the master video didn't get anywhere near as many views as the Doctor one, so I just sort of thought, yeah, maybe it's not worth the time. If a video, yeah. if, a, if like a 30-second spoof video can get more views and more <laughs> attention than something I've spent weeks on, what's the point in spending weeks on it, in a way? Even yeah. though it's something I want to make, even though it's something I'm incredibly proud of, even still, it's still something I look at and go, yeah, well, is was it worth it? And mm. kind of. You know, kind of, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I just kind of, I should probably do easier things just in the meantime and little things here and there and, you know, play about with that. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's yeah. fun, but also it's, yeah. I don't it's know. a, bal it's a, it's a balancing act. That's, that's YouTube in a nutshell. It's, exactly. it's a big old balancing act. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Well, 
Mate, again, thank you so much for for joining me today. Um, was there any was there any projects or things you wanted to shout out before we close out today? Oh, um, I think yeah. I mean, I've 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 got in terms of YouTube. Um, there's a few, a couple of exciting things I've got planned. I've got a big event towards the end of the year, which is a big sort of charity um, live stream type event thing. I'm still making lots of plans with that. It's still very much a slow work in progress, but that should be a nice, uh, exciting sort of event. So that's something I stay tuned for. Um, mm-hmm. And there is another type of video, which I'll be making towards the end of this year, which I still can't talk about yet, but it's very, very exciting. That's fair. And I would like to just oh, cool. a cool teaser. It, it is very exciting. Wish I could talk about it. Can't <laughs> quite yet, but I'm very excited to sort of, you know, eventually make a video about that topic area. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm currently doing freelance as well. So, you know, I've got a website for that. So if anyone's looking for <laughs> uh, graphic designer, I didn't work, you know, that's, that's where I'm at these days as well as YouTube. So yeah, other than that, yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, it's not a problem, man. So all of those links will be in the description. Those watching on YouTube, you'll see it on screen and stuff. Go and check out George's channel, Ace Creeper. Go and follow him on Twitter. Check out his website if you need some graphic design. And, I mean, you sound like a Doctor Who showrunner already. I'm very excited <laughs> about this project, but I can't say anything oh, about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was totally unintentional. It's just like, yeah, no, it's... I just got, like, all the Moffat flashbacks. Oh, so he's like, oh, it's really exciting, <laughs> but I can't talk about it. And yeah. then a week later, he'll be like, well... It's kind of about this, and it's like, okay. Well, well. the difference between me and Moffat, I'm not going to say anything until the end of this year. Good. But it's, you're actually going to keep it, tight lips. I am. Yeah. It's something that will be quite apparent when I get to it. It's just like, cool. got to keep quiet about it for now. Can't say anything. But when I can, fair, I will never shut up about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's fab. Well, again, I wish you all the best success with those projects. I hope I'd love to do like more collaborations with you in the future, whether it's more podcast stuff or I mean, I like my alcohol as well. I'll get drunk with you. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, hopefully I I thought in my head as well, like with some of the Hootubers I've talked to, and I believe some of the same Hootubers we sort of, you know, know in the same circle, it'd be really nice, uh, I guess easier at the time for those in the UK at the moment when this whole pandemic's all over, it'd be really cool to do like, like a, a meetup of us all because like i mean i love you know don't get me wrong i love like doing podcasts like this and interacting with everyone on twitter but do you ever have those moments where i'm like i'd really just love to meet these people yeah you know i mean like, i mean in it's, person, it's like... these things always get difficult depending on where you live in the country and all that sort of thing of course yeah, i think yeah, a great yeah. uh a great sort of thing that i look for is like i try and make it as obvious as possible whenever i go to a convention or like um like a signing or like a bfi screening or something like that i'll always make it very very obvious that i'm going there just so people because like i i'm always down to meet people and say hello and all that sort of thing um getting stopped in the streets is a bit weird but in (laughs) in in like big convention halls and stuff it's so exciting and great just to see people who are passionate and just like you know great to meet people and all that sort of thing i went to the doctor who warp convention and that was that was fantastic just really really just good vibes all around really yeah Oh fab! Well, hopefully, when conventions can safely operate again, that can be that can be it. But it'd be it would be really cool. I'm I'm getting images now of like everyone doing a video like all together like at a convention. That'd be that'd be mad. But yeah, George, once again, man, thank you so much for coming on, and I wish you all the best with the future. Thank you so much for having me. I've really really enjoyed it. Actually, yeah. Good. I'm glad, man. And to all you guys listening, thank you for listening. And until the next one, have a good week and stay safe. <laughs>